What's up, everyone? It's time to bust out the champagne and celebrate. In this episode, we're celebrating our first anniversary with my number one powder coater, husband and co-host of the Powder Coater podcast, Ross Scott. But that's not all. We've got a giveaway, special announcements and updates. And we'll also hear from Ross on how he built his shop from the ground up. Learn how and why you'll want to make your next oven an electric one. Find out what supplies he used for his ovens, spray booths, and blasting room. We've got it all, and we'll review what we've learned over the years as well as the mistakes we've made. Get ready to level up your powder coater game. Welcome to the Powder Coater podcast. It's our first anniversary podcast. I can't believe that we've actually been podcasting for over a year. Um, happy to welcome my co-host for a change, Ross Cote, Ross Scott. Did you know it was our anniversary, honey? Uh, no, I don't pay attention to events like that. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, so I'm here today. We're just uh, super stoked to be celebrating um, our anniversary. I'm going to share my screen here for a second. Um, we uh, have reached 10,000 downloads. We're super stoked and excited that we have. Uh, it's a kind of a big deal, I guess, in podcasting. I didn't really know. Um, just trying to create content for custom coders when we first started. Um, but I got a surprise email the other day to say uh, that we reached this kind of mega, mega goal. We're also in the top 10% of all podcasts. So thank you uh, to the community. Um, we also have done 36 interviews and 29 coder news, lots of other bonus material and stuff. Uh, it's uh, kind of exciting to be um, in the situation that we're in and happy to move forward. I don't think we're going to slow down with any content. Uh, we may not post as much, but because uh, things are getting busier around the shop. Would you agree, Russ? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. He's a bit overwhelmed, but um, you know, we're going to have an, a giveaway today. And if you are an avid listener or a super fan, um, please go sign to sign on to uh, to be a Patreon because you're going to get a couple of extra things. Um, one, you're going to get a drink holder. Uh, we have a couple of them here. There's just the two that you see on the on the page there uh, that our good friend uh, make any kind stuff. Maui, he does powder coating, but he also does uh, laser etching and stuff like that. Uh, so if you sign up to be an avid listener or a super fan after watching this show, uh, you will get one of those drink holders as long as they are lasting, limited, they are limited in number. Um, you'll also be getting that blast one surface prep guide. We have just a couple of them left. And then 
we're going to give you one free hour of consultation on the phone with either Ross or Kim. So depending on if you need business advice, you're going to be calling me. If you need Ross's advice on building your oven or building your shop or whatever, they'll be happy to talk to you for an hour um, and schedule a time that is convenient for you. So uh, are you OK with that? I just yeah, kind of added that. That's <laughs> I, I was thought, Okay. I know you, you have enough to do, but I'm going to add to your plate <laughs> on to the main event, Ross, how you built your shop, your powder coating shop. Uh, of course, you know, I handled a lot of the business side of it, but this is actually all about you and how you did it. Uh, we are going to talk about um, some we're going to talk about some specifics and then hopefully at the end of it, we're going to give away in the vault. We're going to put it in the vault, a list of as much of the resources that you use to build your ovens as much as possible with links to what we bought, how we bought it, how much we bought of it, uh, that sort of stuff. So we are going to put that in the comments. Um, so please, uh, Click the link that's in there just so that you guys can um, get access to that vault. That's uh, by going to the Powder Coder podcast and then clicking that Patreon page. And for just a dollar, you can get access to the vault. Um, um, if you want to do the giveaway and stuff, you can go and be an avid listener or a super fan. Um, but without further ado, let me reintroduce my husband. This is a very younger version of him. Oh my goodness. I know. Look at that. You look like a a 40-year-old. You look like a robot. I don't know. Like Yeah. You're you are emotionally in some of this stuff, but I think you were just really proud. Uh so <laughs> basically, you know, you realize that uh it takes more than just there's what more than one iteration as you're building and growing your shop, right? Yes. And, you know, you learn what works good and what does not work. And uh, that's what happens, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. We know. tried modifications throughout the builds. Right. And, you know, you, you got to have three key components when you do stuff like this. And it's called blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> <laughs> and once you get through that then you can get to building your stuff. <laughs> so just be prepared. There's uh, a little bit of uh, sweat equity that you're gonna have to put into this. It's, uh, it's not easy, but anybody can do it. Um, like we said in the first podcast, um, when I spoke to Ted over the phone, he's like, you can build a box or a wall, you can build an oven. So you can take that even further. If you can do that, you can also build your booth, your powder coating and your sandblast room and right. on and on and on. So if you know how to frame a wall, you can build all these things. It's just a matter of getting the materials to build them and then building it. Yeah, and I, I mean, blood, sweat and tears is totally what it is too, because there was some, like I, I had to close my eyes at some of it because like, I know this, 
in this build one where you're all sweaty back here, I mean, you putting that, first of all, you nearly, you catch yourself pretty hardcore. I remember you bleeding pretty hard, but. Yes, I did. I cut myself really bad installing the roof of the oven. Yeah. Because uh, that was the last thing I put up was the roof. Uh, actually, the door was the last thing and it's always the last thing, but uh, the roof is the, the last major component. And yeah. I built it in a whole 10 foot section. So, you know, 10 feet by four feet uh, of two by fours with uh, fiberglass insulation inside uh, weighs a lot. And uh, I was doing it by myself, which was silly. And uh, the edges of the metal are very sharp. So I cut myself pretty badly, yes. Yeah, and so we kind of laughed it off and said, ah, ha, 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 she just wants your blood. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> and um, sometimes you kind of have to think about that too. Like uh, these are, I guess, machines, simple machines, but yes, they do give you something. They 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 help you make something so that you can make a living. And it's always best to kind of think of it as. You know, I don't know how many people love their ovens. I can tell you that uh, we certainly do respect the metal um, around here, you know. Well, it's uh, your tooling for your business and, and you have to understand that if you're making your own tooling for your business, you're going to save a lot of money and you're going to get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Uh, you know, for me, uh, just learning how to build something like this was satisfaction. It was it was incredible, uh, especially when I flicked it on and it heated up and it did what I thought it was going to do. And it not only did that, it did it more than what I thought it could do. So, uh, you know, you have to really be impressed by uh, stuff like that when you do it yourself. It's, it's pretty exceptional. It is a great feeling um, to know that you can provide for yourself. I mean, certainly there's a lot more to powder coating than just building the oven, but um, I know we're kind of simplifying things here, but we, in essence, we built the ovens or I don't want to say me even, like I know I was there taking pictures, but um, I think the smartest way to build it, I think I've said it on a few other podcasts, is we've always built as we needed rather than just throwing the money down on something really huge, especially if it's pre-built. And that's the difference between what we've done versus uh, a lot of guys just go and buy ovens by the box, I guess, so to speak. It's already kind of all in one and you just plug it in kind of thing and go. But Here's a message from today's sponsor. Ross Coat here from Maui Powder Works. You know, we've been providing customers with high-end custom coatings for over 20 years. We love the powder coating business, making auto parts, patio furniture, and stuff beautiful for our customers is the fun part. As you know, the hardest part of any job is getting parts prepped for finishing. At times, this means removing tough industrial OEM coatings, which can take hours, if not days, of chemical stripping and sandblasting. Our business was revolutionized when we discovered the great strippers from Benco Sales. Their customer service folks asked the right questions and recommended a stripper tailored for our needs. 
give them a call today at 1-800-632-3626. Get 10% off any B-17 products when you mention Roscoat. Right. So that right there is uh, the last incarnation, or I want to say uh, build three, the large oven. And uh, if you look at the rack inside of the oven, you can see that was the original size of the oven. Right. It was eight feet high and it was 15 feet deep. And so what we had done, because we had a job that was coming that was larger, that we had to fit nine foot, I believe, eight inch height. And we were fitting something that was 36 inches wide. And so we basically always built the oven towards what we were doing. And uh, there we have that oven build to that, that, and I had done some changes because uh, the first and second rendition of the oven, uh, I had all the elements on the back wall and mm. it just made sense to put them all in a line on the floor. And yeah. that was like, I should have did that right off the bat. That was one of the mistakes I made. It wasn't a mistake. It's just that this was way more efficient and it heated up the oven much more quickly. And we didn't need as much uh, uh, with a convection going through the oven to uh, spread the heat around because uh, it was already being spread around by all the elements being at the base there. Yeah, and it was like Frankenstein. I mean, you can kind of see this right here, this line right here, you actually went in order, instead of having to rebuild the whole oven, I remember you contemplating what you did here and why this looks like this, the, these little inset panels. So you, like you said, you took it off the wall here, but you put these inset panels and what you did was you jacked up the original oven, the original 10 foot oven, you jacked it up and then you slid mm -hmm. this new panel in underneath it. We actually had a hoist on the back of the rear of the oven that went to where you can see the chevrons on the railing there. Yeah. The metal beams there. We right actually there. Put on, attached a hoist to it and we actually uh, we strapped two, we screwed two by fours onto the outside of the oven to attach that to. And we lifted up the back of the oven and we had a, our friend come down with this forklift and he lifted the front of the oven and we lifted it completely up three feet up. And then we threw those uh, pieces down in there and then we cocked it and then set it down and then we screwed it down and there it was all done. Yeah, because you didn't want to go back to what you did in the first iteration, which was cut yourself really bad by putting that a new top on or the roof on oh no it wasn't even about that it was just about saving money you know oh, okay uh, i didn't want to order new sheet metal to re rebuild it so yeah uh, you know and maybe that's what we should start talking about is is uh well before we talk about that we should talk about power requirements because a lot of people want to build their ovens and and you know i've had some people call me and they go oh how'd you build your oven this big and and, you know, what's, uh, can I just hook that up? Uh, what kind of power? And I'm like, whoa, whoa. We, okay, first of all, you need to know what you're going to be powder coating. 
And, and then you need to know, well, okay, if I'm coding this thing, or let's say a railing or a gate, you know, uh, it's going to be how long and, you know, how high, uh, you don't, if you don't have to go 10 feet, don't go 10 feet, uh, you know, go eight feet because the more cubic feet are inside the oven, that's more heating and more power requirements. So, right. uh, run an oven just like this that you see in the picture, uh, which is pretty much like our new oven right now. Uh, actually, the new oven's a foot wider. Uh, so Yeah, here's the new oven here. Yes, yes. So you can actually see the old rack. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's got a lot of room in there now. So, the other and, one was really tight. And uh, it's, it's, you know, and look how much cleaner the new oven looks compared to the old oven, you know. And I built this one completely different than all the other builds, but I still use the same concept. I kept the elements on the floor, but instead of putting them inside the sub panels, I actually just have them right there so you can disconnect it yeah. real simply. If we have to move again, you just disconnect it and off you go. So I made this one much more user-friendly as far as uh, being able to take it apart if I have to move again, uh, because yeah. the other was basically destroyed in the move. And the other one had, uh, the other old one had uh, elements on the back there. And sometimes we were always kind of, it was getting tight there when you had a really large job, you were worried about hitting the back. With well, the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, anyway, so let's talk about uh, power requirements for, for something like this. Uh, this. This oven is 10 feet high. And right. 20 feet, one inch long. So I made it purposely one inch longer so I could fit 20 foot pieces in there with no issue. And I'm very glad I did that because I've already had two jobs this year where that happened. So, uh, you know, it's very important to to don't skimp out and make make the, the necessary requirements you need for your business. Now, um, to run this oven, you need 200 amps of power. And that's a lot of power. Uh, these, these ovens will run off single phase, but you can also run them off three phase. Um, basically, you have to figure out when you build these ovens, how much BTUs it needs to heat up the cubic feet. So uh, you just go to a simple calculator, a BTU calculator, and figure that out. So, oh, the, this one here? Yes, yes. Yeah, this is simpler, huh? 12 yeah. feet, there we go. Yeah, that's the so one you want to use. Yeah, so let's do... Uh, so let's just do our oven, for example. Okay. So it's width is five feet. Okay. The length is 20. And yep. the height is 10. Okay. And okay. then insulation, good. Yes. Desired okay. temperature increase or decrease. Right. So uh, I run my oven at target for uh, 400 degrees. Go ahead, put that in and calculate. So you oh. need. Right. Now, I don't have that amount of BTUs in my oven. I have double that. Oh. So, yes. So. And the reason why is because through the first build, I realized it would get up to temperature, but it would take like four hours for it to right. get up. Right. This one is faster. So I doubled 
the amount of wattage. And, okay. and because of that, it takes about an hour now to get up to temperature. So uh, this is uh, the only thing I want to say. That if This is the bare minimum when this calculator that they're giving you. So you can make a, an oven that big with that amount of BTUs, but it's going to take four hours for it to get up to temperature. And if you're just, that just takes all day. So, you know, I like to yeah. come in at seven o'clock in the morning, throw the oven on, and by eight o'clock, we're ready to roll. So uh, that said, it through the builds I've done, I've realized I had to up the, the wattage. So right. um, I have, uh, trying to remember how many elements are in there. I can go count them really quick. Well, I, got eight nine. I have 12, there's 12 in there. Mm -hmm. There's six on each side. Each one of those elements are 3000 watts. Okay. And yeah, and we're going to put in there where we bought them from. Okay. And you so, said that there's some elements that are better than others, the W ones, right? There's there's a lot of different elements out there. Um, uh, I've had good luck with the Westinghouse ones and uh, uh, there's, uh, I can't remember the other one we, we ordered. But uh, any that it, it, they're cheap and they're easy to replace. Yeah. Let's just say that. So if you have an issue down the road, you can change them out. But uh, I try to keep them all the same in the oven. I don't. So if you have to replace one, you can just one off it. But it's probably a better idea to re replace them all if you're going to do that to keep the, the power all in line. So uh, basically on this big oven, we have two powers coming into it. We have 100 amps coming into the rear where I have a controller and it basically powers all the elements on the left-hand side and then it powers up two in the very back on the right side. Mm -hmm. And then there's also another controller on the right side of the, uh, the uh, oven that controls four elements on the right side in the front. So in okay. uh, that, has 50 amps going to it. So this is a 150 amp oven and it allows, we have 200 amps at our shop. So I still have another 50 amps of headroom for basically running the booth and the compressor, which is not a lot. So no, uh, you have to, you have We're to- running out. Yeah, I, you know, ideally I would like to have 400 amps for my shop. Uh, actually, yeah. ideally, I'd like to have 600 amps because, you know, we're not talking about sandblasting and all that stuff, too, because right. I mean, uh, the, the sandblasters, uh, the compressor for that takes tremendous amount of, uh, of energy. So, But, you know, okay, so this is back then. This is our first oven. Yeah, that's the little oven. And, and boy, man, this thing, it just... I mean, this, I don't know how old this thing is. It's so old, but it's the, the, I mean, I could literally, I can pick that up. I can stand inside there and pick it up with my hands and walk it around. And <laughs> we, I have put that thing in my truck and moved it and, and, you know, just 50 amp service. Uh, that's all you need. Uh, like I said, you can run single phase, three phase. It has four burners in there. And boom, what, that what thing. What is it, seven? Is it seven? Seven feet high. 
It's uh, four feet uh, deep and that's 3.6 wide. So uh, you got to remember whenever you build these things, you have to build it out of sheet metal. And sheet metal comes in basically one size, four mm -hmm. feet by 10 feet. And of course the gauge is very important and you want to get the right gauge. Uh, this is one of the first, this is the first one I built and I believe I built this out of 18 gauge. Uh, and it's very heavy, uh, it doesn't flex much. And this actually was built with fiberglass insulation and it's still, it's all original. Uh, I mean, I just, I have just replaced the PID controller like three times yeah. on this. And the PID controller you can see is on the box there. It's that little right. This thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and those are about 40 bucks. So, you know. Always have extra. I always have, if you're only running one, have extra. Exactly. So uh, this is good. You can see the, the power throw switch on the underside of that. Right. And. Here. Uh, yeah. Down, keep going down, this down, one. down. Oh, down. this, yeah. Yeah, so that's a disconnect, and it's very important that you have those for uh, code reasons. Mm -hmm. That way you can disconnect it, and then I, I even go one step further at the end of the day. I just go to the to the breaker and turn it off. So, Well, uh, you're yeah. mentioning like a really good, um, and let me just flash to today, okay? Because there's the same oven now. I don't know. Let's see. We bought, we built that in 2010. No, yeah, oh, 2010. Before that. Before that, yes. Yeah, this was the first oven. And um, I mean, it is something to consider, especially when you are moving um, uh, where you're. You're, you're growing really fast and you need to move into a new, because there's a lot of coders that are getting new places right now just because they're ready. We're kind of going through this next generation of garage coders that are now transitioning into uh, a, a new commercial space or getting or has been in a small commercial space and now moving into a much, much larger space. And, you know, it's, it's something to think about when you're building an oven that you can build something to move it, right? To build something to that's easier to move than maybe something that's bigger and too big to move or where you're, you know, when you're limited with friends, you're limited with equipment um, and you need to do this yourself. So uh, this definitely has saved us many, many, many times. Um, and you'll see later on in the podcast, we talk about our spray booth uh, how certain certain pieces of equipment have literally made our business. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, this is a, oh yeah. So, so yeah, this, this is just pictures of like electric panels. We were searching forever. Um, so of course, anytime I saw a new place up on Craigslist to go look at, I would take pictures of the panel and then Ross would go, nope, <laughs> it doesn't work, not enough. Um, yeah, you want to make sure you have enough uh, spaces for your uh, basically your throw switches in there. And uh, that you can't tell this from the electrical panel, but if you pull the actual uh, panel itself off of from where the uh, the breakers are, you can see if you have single phase or three phase. And it's real simple. Single phase has one wire coming down and three phase has three wires coming down. And uh, it's uh, uh, red, black and blue. So. Uh, 
put three phase and uh, single phase will just be black wire. So uh, very important to know because most larger equipment like compressors are all three phase. Uh, most of the motors for doing uh, uh, for the the booths are three phase. So you have to know what kind of uh, phase your power is. I mean, if you're at home and you're doing this out of the garage, that's all single phase. So you're gonna be stuck with like the Husky compressor <laughs> and you know, stuff like that. So, uh, but you can run a little oven out of your garage, like the one I built. In mm -hmm. fact, I actually ran when we were shut down with the COVID there and we were in between, I did run little oven out of our garage so you mm -hmm. have the amount of uh, power available for it and then you can hook it up so uh anyways that said so um yeah yeah okay um and we still i mean just to, real quick i mean literally like we do most of our jobs um out of the seven it a lot of times i mean I prefer actually working with the little oven because uh, for rims and stuff, because it's more detailed oriented work yeah. doing with the rims. And it's like, it, it allows you to kind of slow your roll a little bit and basically say, okay, let's just do a one rim at a time and really concentrate on perfection of the powder coating job. than instead of like turn and burn, you know, uh, where with larger commercial jobs, we'll, we'll, will turn and burn with the bigger right now, that's a good point especially when most guys just want to shove all four rims in at a time on their rack and then all four of them you know that just i think that that maybe you might have defined something that makes you a little different than you know i don't know maybe some other coders out there where they're just trying to shove them all in there uh when you're taking your time a little bit more one-on-one -on -one with each rim then you're going to have less failure, I guess. I don't know. Less mistakes because less you're really, yeah. you're, you're concentrating on each rim. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, the flip-flop side is that is you're, you're, you're spacing your rims apart. So if you do one rim, just a tad different than the next rim, you will, you can have a mismatch, but you know, uh, for me, I'd rather do it that way because uh, well, I hot flock a lot of the stuff. So it's, it's really easy for me to just, keeping a groove, boom, 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 boom. And then just, I'm done with the job. So. Here's a message from today's sponsor. Do you know chemical strippers from Banco Sales reduced our prep time by up to 80%? We chose Banco B17 and have been using it now for five years. We were surprised at how effortless it removed finishes from literally anything we put into it. Removal takes minutes, not hours. Several suppliers over the years have told us they have something as good as B17, but don't believe it. There's a reason the name B17 is universally applied for those claiming to have fast strippers. Buy it by name and available only by Benko Sales. B17 is the industry benchmark by which every other stripper is compared. Accept no substitute. Get started today by going to BencoSales.com. B-E-N-C-O Sales.com. Say Roscoat sent you for 10% off B17. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. And actually here you can see this is the first build 
of the big oven and it's 10 feet by eight feet. And uh, I actually had all the elements in the back wall and we were using uh, convection basically to move the air around in the oven. And I really thought that was a great build, but it, it, it actually had cool spots in the oven. So uh, we, we, we changed it out not too long after that. We only operated it like that for a little while. Yeah, and I think what's key in this photo to me, or at least when I clicked on it, was like you could see we were still painting furniture back then. That's oh, the old Marriott stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's the old teak stuff we used to do. We had a resort account. And I mean, literally, we, we were still painting back then and switch, you know, and powder coating and then painting. Yeah, I was like, hey, honey, we should try this powder coating. It might work out pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no. I need you to be my slave and help me with remodeling still. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm moving on, hun. <laughs> you just hadn't told, it just hadn't clicked in my head yet that you were getting ready to move on. Where, where, um, are, you, where are you going next? Okay. Good. Just more pictures of how proud you were. And, you know, obviously you, you know, it was kind of messy um, because we had, it was getting kind of crowded in the shop because we were, both battling for space between our remodeling business and, um, you know, and then now the powder coating kind of starting to take on, you know, and of course, I don't even think if you look back in here, had you even built the sandblasting machine, uh, the sandblasting room? Yet? Oh, it was, it was in the booth over here against the wall in the room. Remember next to the right over here. Where? The left. Remember? Oh, this? Yeah. <laughs> the closet? The closet was the blast area. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <sighs> the closet. The closet, yeah. I thought we I thought that one went away a long time ago, but uh the first one was the first speaking of that closet, which was like about as big as a timeout room for your kid. Um it was like we bought a siphon feeder from Sears. Uh, Eastwood. Eastwood. Okay, that's what yeah, it was. It. it was it was an actual pressure pot from Eastwood. Okay, and I mean that thing, we were over that in about five minutes because you could, yeah, it, it got a, so dusty in there you couldn't even see it. Yeah, well, <laughs> you I mean, couldn't even see what you were blasting. Yeah, I was <laughs> using like, that. Oh. Uh, I was using that uh, <laughs> Black Beauty too. Oh, God. Oof. Never again. <laughs> Never again. Not after uh, this recent episode with um, Pete Mitchell from GMA. Uh, please watch that one, everybody, for your safety and health and your family and all that. So, uh, but mistakes we were making back then. Um, so, but you know, it was it was a messy process, but we got through it, and you know, you learned a lot um, in that time period. Let's see what's next. Okay. So this is kind of, I don't know why I put these pictures in. I no, guess. You put, yes. Okay. No, you, I can see why you did that. So we had the elements in the back and the yeah, picture in yeah. the left against the back wall. And then we moved them into, well, we made the oven go up three feet and there you can see the elements where they will go in those yeah, uh, yeah. squares where the arrow is pointed. And yeah, we were basically finishing that. We still have to put the roof on on the top. And well, we uh, raised yeah. the roof because see, look, it's past. 
Yeah. He hadn't, he hadn't raised it yet, but no. yeah. <laughs> it was we were a, getting ready. Quite an undertaking, yes. And this time you had a friend. Yes, I did. Mr. Ringstad, he's still around. Yeah. So, um, so in the to, to, to top off or cap off what this was in terms of like, you were inserting the panels so that you could even out. Well, okay. I had, I had to inset the elements because the, the rack at that time was literally scratching the inside of the walls. It okay. was scratching. So if I had built the elements sticking out, it would have caught on the rack. So mm. that was why I built that. But uh, with the new build, I didn't, I, you know, the rack, I still am using the same rack, but I have literally four inches on each side now. So I built it differently. Okay. That was a really good way to build it though. I, I was very happy with that. Yeah. I mean, we solved many, many problems with that for sure. Um, I didn't quite understand it or get it at first, but the way you did it and you say by saving money and you can kind of see a little bit here is this, this is the exterior lower panel um, with those elements inside. So it kind of hung out on one side so that, you know, it made sense um, after you right. were done. So this is uh, on the left-hand side here is a, a 50 amps running uh, four burners. And you can see how it goes into the power goes down to the lower wall and basically uh, distributes to the four burners. Right. And a picture of the right is the big uh, controller. It runs eight burners. And that's, uh, you know, it's a, you, it's a lot of wire you got to run through the walls. Uh, this, this, this wire is expensive. You can get it from Granger. Uh, you want to get the 16 gauge and it's a heat sensitive wire. It's rated up to, I, you know what? I don't have those specs with me right now, uh, but if I remember offhand, I think it's, uh, I want to say it's like 800 degrees. Uh, so obviously we don't, about right. we don't go that high. So, uh, but it's a heat sensitive wire. And in the original build, I actually put it through the walls. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the new build, I didn't do that. I made it so I can disconnect it if I had to. So uh, because, you know, we don't know if we're going to have to move again. And so, you know, I said, well, I don't want to make this difficult if I have to do that again. Yeah. So, uh, the, but and if this wire doesn't fail easily. Uh, I don't think we've ever had to replace it. No, no. We ran this. Actually, we ran this oven from uh, 2012 to uh 2019 nonstop. Yeah. No failures. Uh, I did replace the PID on this. Right. One, and I yeah. did replace, uh, oh, I did replace a burner on this oven. I did, yes. I remember that now. Right. So, um, yeah. Wow. yeah um, I, I think the only advice I have on that one in terms of ordering is make sure you, because you have to run so much wire um in the oven you want to make sure you order enough and almost a little yeah. quite a bit over it comes in spools of 250 yards if i can remember correctly mm -hmm. and for two spools and i had literally only 20 yards left over from left you know of the two spools so uh yeah you 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 will soak up all that wire real easily running in and around it's amazing 
Uh, so make sure when you order that, order at least two spools of the Granger 16 gauge heat wire. Yeah. You're talking like if you do have a 20 foot oven. A 20 foot oven, yeah. yeah. And yeah. if you're just building a little uh, uh, four by four by six or seven, uh, you, one spool will get you and you'll have leftover, you know, no problem. Okay, here's the second build. So this one's kind of interesting for me because you can see this job, this powder coating job um, that we did that we were kind of halfway through, I think. No, I don't think we, we had started yet because the, the that was, uh, those lengths were uh, like Yes, seven, but the first two hun, were, were end pieces and they were only 10 feet, but the right. next ones were 16. 16 and 17 feet and yeah. Right. So and um, yeah, I'll, uh, let me stop sharing my screen so I can share with you like how big the project was. Cause I think at that point that was like literally going to be the biggest job we'd ever had. Um, it was like 200 linear feet of trellis at the Whalers Village in Kanapali. And um, the end pieces were just 10 feet. There were some couple end pieces. So I know we had, that's why that picture has that in there. It's just the end pieces. They were the shortest pieces, but most of them were 16. And I think that's, what did you build the oven to that day? Um, 20 feet. Okay, so that was, I thought you had done a 15 footer or something in there. Yeah, we, we went from 10 feet to 15 feet to 20 feet, and then we went up. Mm-hmm. So what was uh, nominal about, or anything you want to talk about on this build that you just basically got rid of that convection thing? Uh, well, we, 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 this is basically, we're getting ready. We went up with the oven. I know yeah. that. No, yeah. Because I know some of those pieces were nine feet high. So that's why we went up. But yeah, we did the smaller pieces that you see there. But uh, other than that, with the, the, the oven, this is the complete final build. We want 20 feet by yeah. 10 feet. So. And this right here is that lower level panel, which you raised, the, you yes. lifted up the oven and that right there, what you're seeing is. It's two is, by six studs mm -hmm. put together with sheet metal uh, that have an, <laughs> a smaller wall inside of it. So. Right. Yeah. basically two two walls within one it, it was very difficult to build but uh it was very effective and it allowed me to just hook up the oven yeah here you go here's you so, can kind of yeah. see the studs and so what it, this looks like after yeah generally with with any build you do it's just going to be metal studs and uh those right there that's a typical uh, uh two by four by eight stud metal stud and you just basically, like you're gonna build a wall, you put those 16 inches apart and down the length of your build. And you just, there's a couple ways you can put the sheet metal on. You can go lengthwise or horizontally, you know, but uh, I, I prefer, it doesn't really matter, but uh, sometimes it depends on how you're building your oven. So you have to tape these things in consideration when you're building it. And obviously, uh, if it's four by 10 feet, the sheet metal, uh, and you build your oven five feet wide, that means you have to build smaller sections for your roof 
to uh, cover the space because if you you know uh, the reason I built it originally by uh, four by ten is because I could just put one piece of four by ten top on top of it and set it in place and uh, you know that worked good but uh, it was a big piece it was heavy I needed three people to put it up there and I cut my fingers pretty bad on that so yeah. Uh, Anyway, this wood is just for support. You didn't keep it in there. You're just we, supporting we, it while you were. In yeah, we were using that for support because there was, you know, it was basically freestanding. And uh, we used a large beam on the top to actually uh, uh, have the uh, forklift to to lift it up. And the other ones are just keeping the walls tied together. You can see on the inside there. So. Right. <clears throat> I the guess. That, and did you say how thick the sheet metal should be uh you know uh, i i recommend it just depends on your the thicker the better um but uh obviously cost has a lot to do this and i think the uh the thinnest you want to go is 20 gauge uh but what you want to do ideally is be 16 or 18 gauge huh. once you go over 20 gauge it takes two people to handle it it's heavy yeah and, that's stuff you have to keep in mind if you're by yourself, you know, go with the 20 gauge. It's easier to handle. Uh, also, you're going to need some sort of shears to cut the metal. If you have to do uh, if you're making a six foot oven, you have to be able to to cut the metal. So there's a couple ways you can do that. You can get some nibblers and, and nibble it across, uh, you know, do a shock line and, and do that. Uh, if you don't. What I did is I actually used skill saw and I just put a metal blade in it and just chalk the line and cut it. It makes but it's quick, it's fast. Uh, just make sure you wear gloves and and safety goggles. Always. But, yes. Um, yeah, I think this was just sort of towards the end here. We hadn't raised the, the ceiling, but then once we were done with that, uh, well, this is sort of mid-built, but this was after. Like, it was just huge. Like, after it was done, we realized we were in awe at how big it was. Well, we were putting big pieces in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, so let's, because I know you've kind of done a little bit of different stuff uh, in terms of the batting or the insulation. So let's yes, talk about yes. that. Definitely. Well, on all these previous incarnations, I was using uh, just typical fiberglass bat, like Owen's Corning fiberglass bat, uh, the pink stuff. Uh, it's basically rated up to, uh, I think, 700 or 800 degrees. Uh, so you can use that. It's cheap. It's easy to put in there. Uh, but man, it's itchy. <laughs> it's like wearing fiberglass underwear. It's insane you got to wear gloves and a face mask when you're installing that stuff in so uh, that stuff is cut just like a normal uh, 16 inch width so that's why you have to build your walls like a normal uh, wall for a house because uh, the batting will all fit in those right good point uh, on the new the new oven uh, I, I switched I went from fiberglass insulation bat to what they call rock wool. And uh, rock wool is, is rated for, I believe, 2000 degrees. And it's way more dense, it holds heat way better. It is more expensive, but it is definitely worth 
the price because our new oven gets up the temperature real quick and it holds the heat. Uh, I'm totally impressed with the rock wool. So uh, yeah. build your stuff out of that. It's, uh, it's and it's real stuff. It's made out of sheep. I'm not sure what it's made out of. I don't know. You're how, not sure? Yeah, I wouldn't say it. They just call oh, it rock. It looked like sheep. It, 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 it like does. It, it's it's some sort of mineral wool. Uh, oh, mineral wool. Maybe yeah, that's I'm, okay. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but uh, uh, it, it's really good stuff. It's easy to cut. Uh, it is itchy. It's not as itchy as the fiberglass, but it is still itchy and uh, uh, good stuff, though. Yeah. So to, to kind of wrap up the oven and some key points here that you made, in, aside from the building materials side, um, is number one, that first mistake we made with uh, was the cold spots, right? And um, it really wasn't a mistake. What it was is, is efficiency. So efficiency, right? So I made it more efficient, oven by you know putting it throughout the floor, uh, through the whole oven, made it way more efficient. Heated up the oven much quicker. Heat rises, obviously. So there you go. Uh, and it, you know, if you don't. The less air you got blowing around in your oven, the better off your stuff is going to look. So, uh, right. you know, uh, electric, uh, once it gets going, it is very stable. You don't have uh, hot spots and cold spots uh, uh, like other ovens. And it, it, it's a great, great conduit for, for doing powder coating. Uh, specifically, uh, if you're in an area like we are where uh, propane is all you can get and it's very expensive to run. So... Uh, uh, that said, there you have it. So uh, maybe we should just kind of go over everything you need to uh, to uh, build an oven. And I guess, uh, you know, you have like the main controller. You can order that online. You can go through uh, TC Electric and get that. And uh, we'll also put the links up for that. You can get the elements there from them too, or you can go to Amazon and get the elements. So basically, you know, the controllers are set up to run four, six, or eight. And then it's just a matter of you figuring out how big you want to build your oven. Uh, obviously, if you go 20 feet by 10 feet wide, by 10 feet tall, that is going to need an incredible amount of energy. And you will not be able to run that with just one controller. They'll have to take probably three or four controllers to do an oven like that. But it mm -hmm. can't. Done. Uh, and you got to think about how you're going to lay out all your elements. Uh, you might want to probably double stack them if you're going to build something like that. I've had no need to build an oven that wide. We've uh, five feet width has been just fine uh, because most of the stuff we do is gailing, uh, railings and gates and, uh, uh, you know, stuff like that. So it's, uh, you know, we, we're going for more of the linear than the horizontal width. So, uh, you need door latches, you need a door seal. Door seal, I always forget the name of that. Yeah, yeah. and we're, okay, so, and what I did on the most recent build, uh, which is, I think is critical, is uh, I bought like a couple cases of silicone. Uh, silicone mm -hmm. rubber is, is rated up to 400 degrees, no problem. And you can get the high temp silicone. Just like what we use for our silicone plugs to plug everything, you can get high temp silicone rubber in the caulk. And basically, I every sheet that I put up on the uh, oven, I put a, a thin layer of silicone where it's being attached to the studs. So when you screw that in, 
it just sucks right up to it and it sticks and you have you have zero air gap there it's not no air is getting out through that area there. yeah and if your floor is uneven too yeah we had a we had an extremely uh in in our old shop it was very even but our mm -hmm. new shop that we're in now the floor was out one inch yeah from, from the back to the front and so i basically built the walls out and i put uh, as it as it became uneven i was putting two by fours uh, not two by fours uh, plywood I, I started with half inch plywood and then i went two layers of, of half inch plywood and then i remember at the very end there i had a two by four holding up the edge of the where the door was going to go and what i did is i basically uh, uh i I screwed the it down with the wood in place, and then I cut the wood away, and then we siliconed it all in where that was. Mm -hmm. under. But uh, that's only on a very large oven build. You might have that problem, and I don't think you'll have that problem in the mainland because most builders are. Uh, <laughs> well, don't. this building is old, and I'm <laughs> yes. sure it's settled. Uh, right. You know, <laughs> it's just built bad. <laughs> it could have been just built like that, but um, but yeah, and. Uh, I guess what, you know, what we have learned from electric um, oven point of view, because, you know, I know a lot of guys have the propane and the, and the nat gas is um, we actually, aside from the fact that we have to pay more for gas, um, we actually learned how to efficiently build our electric oven. Um, and in addition to that, we we're in a commercial space, so we get commercial electric rates, not residential, um, which is generally cheaper um, for businesses. Now, at least that is here in Hawaii. I don't know if it's the case on the mainland. Um, might be a little different there, uh, but I want to show you our electric bill because, you know, as as we've gotten busier in these last months, now that the, you know, that our state is becoming open, more open and more uh, busier, I wanna um, let you know that we made a lot of money last month. Um, we, we made about $30,000. I think it was a little over that actually. And I wanna show you our electric bill for the month of May, where we did that all that business, which is why Ross is so friggin' tired all the time. Um, we basically spent nine hundred and forty-two dollars. Let's see, where is that? There we go. Can you see that? I think it's backwards. Is it backwards or can you no, see it? It's there. It's on there. Yep. Um, so you can kind of see the jump. Obviously, we've been getting busier, busier, busier. Of course, when Ross uses the small oven, we don't pay as much, but when the big oven is running, which it did practically all last month, we only paid $940 um, and we made 30 grand. So we're, we're not just talking to be different here. We're talking because we really do believe that electric is the way of the future. Um, I I personally think that regulations in terms of like business and stuff, eventually they're gonna, I don't wanna say they're gonna outlaw propane and nat gas, but 
it's kind of like where the industry wants to go and they want us all on electric. Um, they're trying to out, outlaw this, you know, methane and CO2 levels and all these environmentalists and stuff. So, you know, we're not saying switch today or switch tomorrow, but just keep this up on your radar because we've been very successful with our electric oven. And, um, you know, if you're thinking about building an oven or getting a new one, think about doing this for your business. You might be surprised at how efficient it is, how evenly, um, how even the, you know, compared to like propane and stuff, how even the cook is. And, um, and then of course, the big surprise is how nice your electric bill is when you're doing lots of money, making lots of money. Right, I agree. And you have the benefit of uh, safety with no open flame in your shop. True. And also, you're not OSHA. creating uh, you're not creating uh, carbon monoxide because of the open flame. So you, you know, you, carbon monoxide poisoning. You, you you don't know unless you have a carbon monoxide alarm. You don't know if you're getting poisoned or not. So uh, something nice to, to yeah. know electric oven. Uh, the, we do make these out of sheet metal, and there is, uh, uh, you know, the Galvi sheet metal. Uh, if you get it too hot, it actually makes some type of a hydrochloric acid, and a gas. And uh, I never really run my big oven over 400 degrees. I always yeah. at about 380, and it, it works really good. And that, well, yeah, because you can bake a roast in the oven. And you're using practically the same material and you can put it up to 550 degrees if you wanted to, right? right. I mean, well, I did, I've, I've done a little research on galvanized metal and, and, and what they, you know, at certain temperatures at high heat, it's actually can be dangerous for you. And I just wanted yeah. to say that. Okay. Uh, so make sure that when you build these, you don't want to be uh, doing like Cerakote, you know, where you're getting up to 700 degrees to, to ah. do that. You have to make it out of like a different material. It can't be galvanized sheet metal is what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So let's move on. Let's go back way back then. <laughs> Our, this is your first build out. So we, this room yes. was behind the oven and behind the spray booth that you saw in those earlier pictures. So uh, how big was this one? That's seven feet wide. And it's uh, eight feet tall and it's 10 feet deep. And okay. I used, uh, yeah, I used three dustless uh, vapor lights you can buy at Home Depot. Uh, those yeah. lights are basically explosion proof and dust proof. And uh, they're about a hundred bucks each or expensive, uh, but easy to wire up. Very bright. Um, you can actually get them down on the side, but I've, I have found just putting in three lights or four lights up there works just fine. Uh, I built the table is uh, basically metal studs that are. Yeah, I have a. No, just keep it right. Uh, oh, I have another close-up picture of well, the yeah. table. There you go. Uh, yeah. You can, you can see. I actually, when I first built it, I just used the metal studs, uh, but as I later found out, it was easier to put wood. I'd use a two by four wood, and then I would encapsulate it with the metal studs so it gave it strength mm -hmm. putting heavy things up there 
And uh, uh, basically that's a really cheap, easy way to build a, a metal table without breaking the bank. Uh, I used to use regular chicken mesh wire. Uh, in this first build here, you can see the chicken mesh for yeah, the right uh, I basically use expanded metal now. Uh, it's a little more expensive, but it lasts a lot longer. The yeah. chicken mesh works, but you got to change it out about every, well, it just depends on how much you're sandblasting, so. What's this orangey stuff you put? You oh, got that at Home Depot. Yeah, that's uh, basically you uh, tile mat. You put that down for laying uh, tile uh, to keep it more quiet. And I just put it up there because it was wood and I didn't want, I wanted it to look cool. Uh, so I put that up there, uh, but I didn't do that on the new build. I just kept no. it, uh, but I do use metal for all the walls in the back because you know the the sandblast is very abrasive and if you have wood you're, it's just going to eat it away eat it away yeah well that. i think you put this on there because you were worried about the neighbors finding out <laughs> you were important it was important to have it soundproofed a little bit because people could hear you next door and we were kind of in a hoity-toity neighborhood yeah. rather well, I, than like where I, we are now yeah, so I built this pretty much just like how I build the ovens. I actually even used fiberglass insulation uh, on the walls. It's all metal studs and just like an oven, basically, uh, uh, except for the outside of the walls are wood instead of metal to mm -hmm. save money. Uh, yeah. Where on oven, you got to have the whole thing metal. Uh, the blast room and the booth are all wood. So what's this little hole here? That's actually, that's the dust collector hole. So uh, when I first, this is the first blast room and I have a, a, a two horsepower dust collector on the other side of that wall pulling in and it worked pretty good. But then I went to the five horsepower and whoa, that was nice. So, and we got a picture of that, don't we? Um, maybe. I saw it. So yeah, this is the... So, okay, so I use uh, basically, uh, this is my dead man switch, which is if, you know, it's not OSHA approved. No. And if you got an employee, you got to have a dead man, but I yeah. do everything myself. And the dead man weighs literally a pound. And when you're holding a pound on top of all that other stuff you're holding, it wears your shoulders out so quick. So I, I went to just doing this. And this is actually my first incarnation of that. It's all brass, you can see, or copper. And now I use stainless steel and it lasts a lot longer. Uh, and I went to a boron head. That's a, that's a, just a regular ceramic head. And those things, I mean, if you use a regular ceramic nozzle, that, that thing will last only like, you know, three times and you got to throw it away. Where the... Uh, the, I'm not sure where I got it, but the, the head I got now, I've had it for three years and it's still that going. That tungsten one? Yeah, I saved the yeah. link. I'm going to put it in the in the, uh, in the the vault page. The, so. the, tungsten, the tungsten carbide, that's right. So yeah. th that, and I use a 300-pound pot. You can see there in the picture. And, of course, the, yeah. Nova, the Nova blast hood. And, you know, the Nova, okay, so... Those Nova hoods are expensive and, you know, you're talking 500 bucks for the hood and, and you got to get the, what type of breathing apparatus are you going to get? So this is very important. Um, hey, Powder Coating Nation, Kim Scott here. 
It's time to grow your business with us. The Powder Coating Near Me directory can get your powder coating shop the real exposure it needs to succeed when you list your job shop today. Join a list of top custom coders who've listed their credentials to be discovered by the customers who are searching for powder coating every day. Head over to powdercoatingnearme.com, click add a coating shop and start creating your very own page for free. Yes, free. You can add your logo, name, address, phone number, map listing, social media links, photos, video, and more. When you submit your listing, we'll get notified and approve you right away. Now you can add all the categories you specialize in, and even add your own tags. Get the SEO and valuable backlinks your company needs for authority and getting ranked. You can even use the link you create and share it to your favorite social media profiles to build legitimacy as a custom coder. What are you waiting for? Become part of the largest consumer search directory in powder coding in the world. All for free. Find and click the link in this podcast or go to powdercoatingnearme.com to get started growing your brand today. two types of air you can have. You can have your compressor that is basically an electric compressor, or you could have, a lot of these guys have diesel compressors. And if, you have to be very careful. If you're, if you're getting your air to feed to your helmet from a, a diesel compressor or even an electric compressor, you can get carbon monoxide poisoning from that. So it's best just to buy and spend the money. It's like a thousand bucks. They actually make a uh, low pressure volume unit that you can put outside in the clean air of your shop and then it runs air to your helmet. And that's what I've been running. It's, it works great. Uh, I've only, I mean, I've been doing this for so long and I've only replaced it once. Mm -hmm. and that's a thousand bucks and then the helmet's 500 bucks. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't buy the gloves that they sell. Those leather gloves just don't work for beans. Uh, I go and get rubber coated gloves for my hands and those work great. Uh, they last forever and you know, you don't burn through them like the leather. So I recommend right. that. That's cool. Yeah. We'll put that in the, off, in the uh, vault as well. It's going to be a, uh, probably a PDF or something that you can download and uh, so, we'll, we'll keep adding to it. This is pretty much still the setup I use. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a it's it's a five thirty second nozzle. Well, let me see. I think I have an updated picture here. Okay, that what's that? That's the that's the five horsepower. So I went from the two horsepower to the five horsepower uh, air, dust collector, and mm -hmm. we put in. Uh, so the dust comes in from, and it goes into that bucket where yeah. the square is, and then it goes. To the dust collector. Second, yeah. Yeah, filter. the second one. And yeah. that works really good. Um, you know, you can go, uh, so this works good for the for the amount of, you have to figure out how much, how much space you have by cubic feet, and then what type of pressure you're running, your, uh, your, your blast nozzle, and then you have to figure out the air and how to clear it out. And uh, this is actually right on the money for the size of the room we had. But uh, I know uh, right now I'm actually a little undersized. We need to be up to about uh, 10 horsepower. So uh, yeah. I expanded the blast. That's room. our next. And that's thing. our next 
big thing. This is what it looks like today. This is our today thing. And we actually, just so you know, we, we actually recycled when we built, we realized we were gonna try to save the old oven and rebuild it when we built this place, uh, this new place. Um, but I think you kind of realized, nah, I'm over it. And so we took the remaining, the walls from the old oven and we actually repurposed them to build our powder coating i mean our our sandblasting booth yeah do you do you have a picture of the outside of it i don't but you know what i'll um i can go i can so add one really quick it's just like you know everything i've been saying it's 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 pretty simple to build um it's you know i use oh i forgot to say this earlier on the oven build but you use sheet metal screws, self-tapping sheet metal screws. Okay. And we need to show pictures of what I use. Uh, it's real simple. You don't have to drill any holes. You just put right. dots where you want to put the thing. You set the drill right up to it and shoot, and you're in. So uh, yeah. that's, you know, that's how we build all this stuff is with sheet metal screws. Right. And so the outside of this building is, well, first of all, yeah. I mean, the outside of the building is uh, of this room wood. is it's just all, all plywood. Wood. Plywood. plywood, yeah. Yeah. Right. And this was a lot easier to build because obviously it's uh, it's uh, four. It was it uh, eight by 10 by 20. So, yeah, I think ball. the only thing I don't like about it is the window is too small. Um, but you you use this bisqueen. So I can't see you anyways. So you actually built. Why is this bis bisqueen here? Well, because the dust collector is designed for basically a room that's half the size of it. OK. So, that's why I have it there to kind of keep so that it doesn't get too crazy. So, uh, but as you know, I've been using the, when I have a large railing that I got to do, I just move the visqueen and, and blast away. It, it, right. it, it, I need to upgrade and have a, a more powerful dust collector. Yeah. And that, that's our next, we're getting ready for that. We're definitely, yes. we got to, the one thing I've learned on this podcast is how important your blast setup is. It's it's almost more important than your spray booth and your oven. I hate to say it. It definitely that. is. You you wanna you wanna be healthy. You don't want you know uh, spend the money, buy the nice uh, blast helmet. You know the Nova helmets are awesome. Uh, you don't get any material inside you. Buy a nice suit. Um, I mean, I do one more step. I even though I'm wearing this nice suit, I'll put tape around my my gloves and my hands and my and my uh, feet just to keep the stuff from coming into the suit. And uh, I bring a spare set of clothes with me when I'm done. Get the you know because it's dusty stuff, and you have to uh, get you know, in there. Your health is more important than anything. So uh, yeah, and I want to I want to talk about that for a second because. I did talk about it on this previous episode, um, episode 36 with Pete Mitchell, and we kind of talked about beryllium, but I want people, I want our listeners to hear from the horse's mouth what it feels like <laughs> to not feel good. Uh, you know, when if you're coming out of the blast room and all of a sudden you feel like you're achy and like a cold is coming on, that's you're you, you're sick. You just got uh, some type of beryllium poisoning or something. That's what it feels like. You'll it's like oh uh, I don't feel so good, and you get achy and uh, joints it's hurt. It's like you're coming uh, down with the flu. You're yeah. coughing. I had uh, uh, when we first used the Black Beauty. Uh, man, I got super sick. I remember I was down for like three days, and so yeah. 
You don't want to use that. Uh, and I've been, I just stay with Garnet. Garnet works really good. I'm very happy with it. It cuts everything uh, from, uh, you know, rusted surfaces to, to stuff that's been painted. Now, obviously, if you got something that's totally powder coated, I don't think there's anything that can cut through that. I mean, I've, I've, I've used a lot of stuff and I have not come up upon a product that can cut through powder coat and we just strip it. We strip it. That's just the way it is. If somebody brings me a big beam that needs to be stripped, I strip it and then I sandblast it. But yeah. if you're going to go there and, and sandblast something powder coated, it'll take you days to get it. Yeah. Done. Well, well, you I don't want to be in there longer than you have to. No. And that's another thing. It's very, even with all the proper equipment, you only want to be in there probably two to four hours at the most. Yeah. And, and I, even stripping I, sucks. I mean, it's smelly and it's nasty. It makes your stomach churn. Yeah. So, you know? yeah. So anyways, the, the, just have that proper the, ventilation. The, the, the build of this is real simple and it's the same thing. You want to just make it airtight. Obviously uh, you do need, with the blast room, because you're sucking air with the uh, uh, dust collector, you need to be able to have air come in. So make sure when you uh, build your, your room, you have some type of intake. Uh, like, for example, you can see in the picture on the left at the very back of the wall. Yeah, this. That's the air basically right getting sucked from the, uh, from the dust collector. Yeah. Uh, I, I made this with uh, basically four inch uh, PVC piping that goes to the dust collector. And you saw the other picture of the dust collector. So you can right. kind of- here's, here's a tiny little, I think this is maxed out, but you can kind of see the bottom of it right here. Now um, on, my, on the old build, I had two holes in the roof uh, at the entrance of the booth. But uh -huh. on, on this build, I just, the door actually, has a one inch uh, gap at the bottom. So it allows the air in, so. Okay. And full disclosure, here is a big stack of 10X <laughs> um, that we had just gotten. So when this picture was taken, we, we were trying out the 10X product, which we still have um, and we use occasionally. Uh, it's not our go-to, but um, I think everybody kind of knows that now after episode 36. Um, but, uh, but anyways, it's just kind of ironic. We're talking about, uh, blasting and beryllium and, um, safety and your blast setup and everything. And here's a big stack of it, of 10 X. So just finding it out in case anybody wants to call me out. All right. I love this. This is the moneymaker because we've owned this thing since night. No, since 2004. We got it December of 2004. We used it all through our, um, it cost us $5,000. And it, the reason why it's twice as much as what it costs online today, the price hasn't really changed that much, but it took just as much money to ship it as it did to buy it. So um, it's five grand. Uh, we had to build it ourselves. It's an open freight face. This is what you call an open face spray booth. And um, that big long tube is what we used to connect to. Uh, there was a vent up at the top. And of course, when we were spraying liquid paints, we needed that because the vapors needed to escape um, and stuff. Uh, we still use it today in its modified version, but this thing, I counted it up one time and this thing has made us over 
I want to say almost over $2 million in the last, what, almost 20 years? Oh, it's more than that. It's more than that. But we, we have made so much money. But anyways, I think you kind of get, was there anything you wanted to say on this one? Okay, yeah, so it's an open-face industrial booth. It has a three-horsepower motor on it that needs three-phase power. Uh, you need 20 amps to run that. And I basically took this and converted it into a, a real powder coating booth. Now, this worked fine for doing small parts, you know, uh, because you can actually go inside the booth and it sucks the powder up. But when you're doing a big railing and you're... 16 feet long or 20 feet long, your powder coating outside of that booth area and it's just going everywhere. Outside. Right. And, and here's the picture of what he's talking about. Well, yeah, I built this and here we go with the uh, explosion proof, uh, dust proof uh, lights. And it's just basically all electric Galvi piping uh, for the electrical. Uh, that's the original uh, booth in the back. Yeah, uh, it's all that's left of it really. And I did make this owl out of uh, uh, 10 foot uh, two by fours and the metal studs that is. And uh, what I, it's all wood, but what I did is I went to Home Depot uh, like I always do. And uh, they had this lining, this white plastic lining. This is for garage doors, for the inside of a garage door. And it's plastic and you can wash it down. It's beautiful. It's easy mm -hmm. to work with. And I just used the self-tapping metal screws and just screwed it right in, hold it up. It was kind of a pain in the ass to do the ceiling, but uh, you know, you can build it. I mean, that looks, I mean, I don't know. Those things are expensive. <laughs> so I, I built it myself. And, yeah. uh, and that sheeting, I don't even how, how much is that sheeting? It's like $15 a panel or is it, it more like 30 it's uh, it was like 26 i think a sheet so uh you know yeah you know there's 500 bucks there boom you know just yeah. to do the to i do know that. that this product is in the trim section at home depot so like when you're looking for wall trim or quarter quarter round or any of that they'll have it below those uh pieces of wood um and it'll it's in the sh it's it's sheeting it, they call it sheeting s h e e t i n g um, and it's for wall, uh, wainscoting, right. but basically you're right. It's the stuff that goes on the inside of a garage door. Yeah. And actually, uh, it, this was a large build because the oven obviously is narrower. So my pieces, you know, my whole rack needs to fit in here. So my uh, rack is, let's just say it's four feet wide. This is a 10 foot width. It doesn't look like it with the picture, but it's 10 feet and that's 20 feet deep to uh, from where the, yeah. the filters are all the way you up. You need to walk around. Yeah. And you got to have enough room to walk around, uh, make room. And a lot of the booths, I always see the lighting's on top and I, that just didn't make any sense to me. And I, I put these all on the side and I, I love it. I have zero. In fact, I have so much better rates of perfectness now because right. coverage because i'm seeing everything now yeah and yeah. it's like if i have a problem i just turn off one side and then let the one side show and vice versa you can still go in there with a 
your LED and, and, and do that. Right. But I, don't, I don't do that anymore. I got plenty of light. You don't have your little headlamp on anymore? Nope. Not with this setup. It's yeah. pretty nice. I really like it. Very happy with it. Uh, I think this cost us, uh, I want to say about 3000 to build. Something, yeah. Uh, you know, but, to, uh, but I did have the old booth uh, to do that. And I did uh, convert it to a complete powder coating setup. And I did this with, uh, uh, what was the name of that company? Jabe. JB's, I, I don't remember, JB's. We'll in, look it up. It'll be in, in the vault. They're in They're in Pennsylvania, I believe. Or, yeah, or, that sounds about right. Yeah. And uh, anyways, uh, he uh, builds uh, booths and ovens. And I basically called him up and said, yeah, I want to convert my, uh, my open face industrial booth oven to uh, a powder coating booth. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, basically, we uh, we got rid of all the plume that goes through the, uh, the to the ceiling, and we got one of these box setups, and of course the new filters. And boy, this thing works great. I love it. There's uh, the, the our shop is so clean now compared to the way it used to be, and uh, it's just a much easier to powder coat in in this setup. So, and you can build these out to however big you want them or how small you want them, uh, but you can see with the white, it makes it very bright in there. Uh, you do have, there is maintenance involved with cleaning. And uh, other than that, you're good to go. Uh, yeah, so. So do you remember how much you spent? I mean, you said 3,500, but I'm, I'm almost thinking it was like closer to five because with these lights. Yeah, well, the so lights are the, 100 bucks each. And they were more than that. They were, they were more than that. Um, yeah, sure. so it adds up real quick, but, uh, you know, the, you know, you could probably order this booth, you know, uh, in the mainland for cheaper than building it. But right. because we have the shipping issue here yeah. in Hawaii, this makes total sense. Uh, I was just to, trying to think of what the breakdown was for, for this most recent build in terms of like, you know, how much did this build, how much did this cost to build them? Yeah, we're ad hocing a little bit with the fil filtration system, which we already had, but like right. how much did the booth cost? Uh, we bought the components for the booth ahead of time because we were already planning on building the booth out. Mm -hmm. um, uh, anyways, on there, you know, whenever. And we always carry extra, 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 extra of everything because, um, Chances are, if something's going to go out, it's going to go out right in the middle of a large job, uh, you know, where you're just stuck getting it done. Um, you know, I think. Do you remember how much you spent on the on the oven this time? Oh, the oven was definitely like uh, six six grand. Six, uh, yeah. yeah, six grand, uh, definitely. Uh, that's why I'm saying this is about three, five, four grand uh, yeah. without the, without the uh, uh, obviously the, the the blower and the back wall there that you see with all the the, the filtration. So, that's that's about right because um, so my I'm, office, my small little office, which is about 150 square feet, cost 
5,500 to build when it was all said and done with all the remodeling we did. Um, we spent about six grand on the oven and about five grand on the new spray booth. And we are at about, and then we really didn't put too much into this uh, sandblasting setup because that was all we recycling. Yeah, we were recycling, upcycling our old stuff with it. And then we already had the equipment. So, but all in all, we were, I think we were at about 16,000. Um, yeah, so it, it, it'd be safe to say you could you could build all this for about twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, and and you know you're you're off to the races. So, yeah. uh, the other components you'll need like a compressor and and stuff that you have to add into the mix, and you know which is expensive, and uh, uh, the dust collector and stuff like that. You know, so uh, a good ten horsepower dust collector is going to run you well about ten grand, and uh, uh, a good. It's not cheap. Uh, Getting into nope. this business. And, and you need, uh, I think, pretty much uh, a minimum size compressor for sandblasting. You need, you know, at least 30 horsepower. So uh, that way you can run a quarter inch nozzle. And and uh, that's going to cost you five grand minimum. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh, oh, definitely. At least that. Um, but the number one thing, check the electric panel. Yeah. Number one thing. <laughs> You guys are, are are really thinking about getting into this business. You need minimum 200 amps. I mean, at a minimum, and that means you won't be able to operate your oven and sandblast at the same time. Uh, you know, unless you've got propane running, you know, oven and and a diesel fired, you know, compressor. But uh, if you're running all your stuff electrically, you need to have a lot of amperage. So. Uh, yeah, and we didn't talk about the compressor you used. Do you want to touch up on that? I mean, it's a Ingersoll Rand that we bought a long time. We got a good deal on it. Yeah, it's a. It's basically uh, what I was getting at when we were talking about in the sandblast room. Uh, currently, with that compressor, I can use a five thirty second nozzle, and uh, that because the horsepower is a ten horsepower Ingersoll Rand. It puts out forty four cfm. So. Uh, you can use a 532nd size nozzle on that. It works, it blasts, it does a great job, but you know, it. I need to go bigger. Sandblasting is, it, it's better to have more power. So uh, yeah. I, do have, I do have a 30 horse compressor sitting and waiting in my shop, but I don't have enough power to hook it up. So, uh, you know, this is, this is a mistake that I've made. I'm like, oh, wow. So I need to, I can run the compressor, but I can't run anything else. So it's, it's, it's kind of a bummer. So, uh, you know, if you, if you're getting your shop, you want to have these, these issues all ironed out and not have those kind of problems. So, um, uh, I'm, you know, obviously I need more power and we're looking at, uh, expanding. So hopefully I'll have that situation fixed or remedied here soon. So. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, uh, people here, the podcast, they know, they, they know this thing is right behind me and it's going all the time, especially when you're blasting. Um, you know, would you like to comment on abrasive media? I already did. Use Garnet. Garnet's the stuff. It's, uh, that's what What's I been use. your experience with 10X? 
I, well, okay. Uh, they called me up and it, and it, it sounded really good. You know, uh, uh, this stuff will burn through powder coat, like, uh, like you won't believe. And I was like, really, you know, and I was like, okay, I go, well, well I want to try it out. You know, I'm, I'm always into new stuff. So, uh, they sent us the stuff and I put it, uh, I, I remember I depleted the bag and I wasn't even doing powder coating stuff. I was just doing, uh, well, you saw the picture, uh, we were doing that. Yeah, uh, let me... We are doing the car parts. Right. Yeah. Which is and, why that was in there. And this is, I mean, I did a whole car. I did the hood. Right. The, all the panels and, it, you know, and I had done literally i would say about 80 percent of it with garnet and then i had run out and it was time to change and so i put the 10x in loaded it up and run it with the 532nd nozzle with uh, the pot at 90 psi that's where i always sandblast like that because uh, uh, i never really go over 90 psi because i let you know if sometimes like when you're doing door panels like this you have to bring it down or you have to step back from the project so you don't Work the metal. So uh, that said, you know, I, I I got in there, started blasting, and I did not see dramatic results like they said. So I was like, okay. In fact, it took me two pots to do a hood, and I figured it would have been one pot. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm just having a bad day. So, you know, that said, I got out of the blast room, wasn't too impressed with it, but then Later on, I started not feeling well. I was like, oh, I was all achy. And I said, that's interesting because I've been blasting with garnet and I never have this problem. I just right. get sweaty and sticky and, you know, salty. That's about it. So uh, we, I blasted with it again the next day and, and, uh, and consequently a few more times. Uh, I, it did seem like it had less dust than the garnet at mm -hmm. Um, at first, but then once it broke down, uh, it, it, it was just as dusty as garnet is. And, you know, so I, I you know, uh, to me, the most important thing was I started not feeling well. And I was like, okay, this is, I'm going back to the garnet because, yeah. you know, I've been using that for years and I don't have a problem with it. And, you know, maybe that's just me. I don't know, but uh, no problem with it. And uh, I, I just went back to it. I don't want to use that other stuff. It, it, to me, it uh, basically took just as long, if not longer. It was just as dusty, if not dustier. And it costs 40 bucks a bag. Well, so, that's what we came to, even with, you know, like it was going to retail, it was retailing for us here in Hawaii at like 40, $42. And, you know, we seriously thought about trying to make this a side business where we could sell it. Um, and, you know, once, you know, it wasn't just, you know, it was like sort of like the icing on the top was once we realized how much people, you know, when they can buy something cheaper, it was really gonna be hard to, to, to make it work for, for selling oh. it to the industry. Basically, you know, when I first started, the first thing I used was Black Beauty. And that stuff got me sicker than a dog. And I said, we got to change. And at that point, I started looking at alternatives. And the, one of the first things I bought was aluminum oxide. 
Uh, aluminum oxide, uh, 80 mesh or 70 mesh somewhere in there will cost you about 40 bucks a bag. And I was like, wow, that's expensive, you know, cause you know, you load up your pot. That's, you know, takes five bags if you're running a 300 pound pot. And I was like, man, this is expensive to do this. Uh, cause you can only run it like six to eight times and then you got to throw it out the door. Right. So, you know, you start doing the math that way. It's like, this is not working, not at this price point. And, and that's and what I want in the health thing. No, I just want to, I don't want to talk about any of that. I just want to talk about price mm. because if you're just looking at strictly at price, this does not work. Mm. I don't want to talk about anything. I don't want to get into any of that other stuff, but it doesn't work at that price. You know, so you, you're better off just going buying pulverized glass, you know, at eight bucks a bag, you know, right. and kill you and go kill yourself. That's yeah. Okay. Next subject. All right. Next subject fails. <laughs> okay. So on the left there was my, uh, my, uh, my dolly for uh, sandblasting wheels and rims. Cause I got tired. I was like, Oh, it's so hard to move it. And it was a great idea and it actually worked really good. But what happened is I found out is the wheel wasn't grounded to the table and I was getting shocked all the time. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> Fail. I mean, I got yeah. shocked bad. I was like, I was like, whoa, what the hell? <laughs> right. And then do you remember this job? I I don't really, you were, you were telling me about it and I, I kind of remember a little, I had foam, I guess, in these. And I remember, oh yeah, because. <laughs> yeah, because the, the door was kind of bent or something. You could peek in there and it had foam. And so, but we had to, we ended up blasting it all, stripping it all first and then blasting it only to come to realize there was no way we were going to take the risk of putting it in the oven. That was, that was a command decision for me. I, yeah. I wasn't sure. Uh, Cause I know some of that closed cell foam, uh, it can actually melt and become liquid <laughs> at certain temperatures. And yeah. so I just didn't want to deal with the mess in my, it was the spray stuff. And and it, yeah, it was sprayed in and I just didn't want to deal with it. So I basically told the guy, go, go get this primed and painted because. Right. Uh, so we I got it to a point where they could take it from there. Yeah, but, we, you know. we, yeah we helped them out and, it, and I thought it was good yeah. advice, but yeah, it, that was. Uh, Would have been a nice job, but didn't but, work out. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, it's just, if anything, it's just to kind of put perspective uh, on everything that not every job is perfect. I mean, even man, this job, we were looking forward to this job. Um, look how beautiful these doors would have been just all powder coated and nice. And, and, you know, what's funny is it's the metal is thicker than normal, which should have led me to believe why is it thicker than normal? Uh, and I should have looked at that and said, and looked inside those holes there and go, Oh, there's yeah. foam in there. But I didn't do that. I just said, I was just so happy to get the job. I was like, yeah, right. let's go. I didn't look at that. So, you know, I think the moral of the story is basically you want to look at your job completely before you take it. Uh, make sure that you got a place to hang it from. Uh, make sure the metal is sturdy enough that it doesn't flex around and do weird things. Oh, we just had that fail. I should probably put that one up. Yeah, there. yeah. yeah exactly. So, yeah, these are things you got to think about when you're, when you're, doing these jobs because they can come back and bite you or create problems in your, 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 your workflow. 
Yeah, the, that was the first time that I actually saw the warpage on that really thin sheet metal. So we had um, some HVAC material come in bent. Um, it did. It was bent in. I guess they bent it that way. Um, it's trim pieces in this condominium uh, that they're remodeling. And it was just the heat. It was just the. It heat. was the heat. So the it heat. does happen. I mean, I don't know if anybody hears heard about it doing that but if you it's just kinetic energy and if you hit it hard and long enough it's kinetic energy is with sandblasting yeah was, that's what i mean it was just the heat oh the heat did it okay i thought you bent it that way yeah bent the metal and it wouldn't reform back generally speaking i've had that happen but it reforms back uh like i've done uh like big signs that we've done with right. the with sheet metal and it bends a little bit, but as soon as it comes out, it cools, it goes back into place. Uh, but this did not happen with the HVAC stuff that we were doing. So yes, uh, that was something I was like, I just, that was a fail that just recently happened. Yeah, some of the, one of the other what stories is, remember when we had that um, pretty big jobber come in and they were doing that Chapango, remember and they picked out this, nasty metal that's sitting out old, old metal that was already basically it looked like it was on the bottom of a boat that was all uh, electrolyzed i mean to the point it was pitted beyond belief and they were like we want to use this sheet this is the only sheet on the island and i said this is bad metal guys and you know i sandblasted it clean but it still didn't matter because the pitting was so bad that when we heated it up where all those pittings were it just Oh yeah, that's right. And then on top of it, the designer picked an interior powder, which never, never, never in Hawaii do you pick an interior powder. Well, I, I told them that too. I said, "This, where's this going?" And they're like, "Oh, in the hallway. It's in the shade." <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. nothing's in the shade in Hawaii. <laughs> no, even when it's in the shade. <laughs> yeah. Well, that about wraps it up. I mean, you know, if you guys have a situation where you want to talk to Ross, if, you know, again, go back to uh, become a patron and you'll get one free hour. This is just a limited time only. Um, if you sign up to be an avid listener, we're going to give you a uh, one hour free uh Talk on the phone, chat with Ross if you've got any booth problems, powder coat problems. Uh, you know. I just want to basically uh, reiterate here that if you have just general building skills or you know how to use a drill and you can you know how to use a level and you can build an oven. You can yeah. do that. You can do it yourself. But if you don't have those basic skills, <laughs> don't try it. Don't, yeah. You'll, you'll, it, <laughs> it's a headache. You'll be a, it'll be a headache, but get some help. You know, you can get um, some if, help. Yeah, you can actually. If you got a friend that knows how to build a wall, that get them in there, and uh, it's real simple. We'll put all the links for you to buy all the stuff. Uh, it's it's yeah. stuff you can get right off the shelf. Uh, some of the stuff you have to special order, like yeah. the controller, uh, the door latches, the wire for the elements, the elements, uh, the door seal. And that's pretty much it. Everything else, you can go down to Home Depot. You can get these metal studs. Uh, uh, your Home Depot in the mainland probably, will probably have sheet metal. But if not, go to a, a, a HVAC specialist or a sheet metal.
dealer and they can sell you the sheet metal. Uh, uh, try to get it at uh, anywhere between 20 gauge to 18 gauge. Uh, you can get as heavy as 16 gauge, uh, but keep in mind, you're gonna have to uh, carry that stuff. It's heavy, uh, very heavy. Uh, for doing like a, a, a four by four by six oven, that's 11 sheets you'll need to do that. And four elements and one controller and 50 amps of power at your shop to do that. And you're off to the races. You, you can have that literally built, you and a friend and a 30 pack, and you can have that sucker built in a weekend. A 30 pack. That's how I built mine. <laughs> it's funny, I didn't see any of the cans in the pictures. I was like, where did all the cans go? I know, where did they go? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I needed earmuffs with all the noise that it created and the worrying about you building it and cutting your finger and doing this and that, you know, it is dangerous work. Just yeah, you go, have to be very slow. You have to, you have to be careful. Uh, the, the sheet metal is very sharp. Uh, you know, you're obviously going to use tools to cut and uh, unless you're building at 20 feet <laughs> and then you don't have to do any cutting at all because all the sheet metal is 10 by 20. So, right. Yeah. So, uh, actually there was a little bit of cutting for the roof because I, I did a five foot width. Right, so right. I made the roof and that's another thing I didn't talk about is the roof. Uh, there's two ways you can set the roof in. You can set it inside the walls or you can mm. put it on top of the walls. Mm -hmm. And when I first built both, uh, all the ovens have, that I built where the roof was inside the walls. But on this new one, I built it on top. I laid it down and it was really easy because we just had a forklift come in and just set everything down on top. And basically we used silicone and, and then we'd screwed it down. And then put the top piece of sheet metal down on top of that to seal it after we put the uh, 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 rock wool bat in. Yeah, that thing, that's crazy. I mean, I. I think I was a little skeptical at first because I because we'd always use that other stuff, the fiberglass stuff. And I'm like, why are you changing this? I'm not sure this is. And you're right. It it it's twice as fast as those other built that other oven that we it's had twice as fast and it holds the heat. And I mean, I used to really have to push it to get it up to 400 degrees. But now yeah. it gets up there. Boom. No problem. And yeah, it, which is always kind of the pitfall for why people don't want electric, right? Is because propane can get like that in 15 minutes, but. It is, it is, and uh, you know, it's quick. And I, I'm not gonna lie, uh, propane and natural gas is is quicker, it, it getting up to temp. And I'm just, you know, it, these are factors that I had to, to deal with, with being in Hawaii. And, you know, I, I did actually uh, modify the small oven for a time that was uh, half electric and half propane. I put a couple of propane burners in there just to see how much it would cost to run it. And <laughs> That's right, you did that. that it, it blew me away how, you know, it was like, oh my it God. It makes the job go a little faster. It made it, well, got the oven up the temperature quicker. And, and, but after once the oven, the metal is heated, the electric is just as fast. So that's what propane is really cool for is that initial getting it up to temperature. So, you know, when I have a big job and I know I need to go in early and I just go in and just the first thing I do, I walk through the door, I turn on the oven, boom. And then it's like, have a cup of coffee, you know? Yeah. Hang check, stuff. Check out the news feeds and, you know, and then hang stuff. Right. Exactly. Right. So, 
prep it and stuff, you know, and, you know, I'm, probably people don't know this. I'd be surprised if they did. But, um, you know, our state is doing this. Um, I forgot the name of the initiative, but basically by we're one of the most. Um, uh, I don't know how to say it. It's just like our goal is by 2045 or is it 2035? We're going to be like zero point basically you know like electric only yeah and well it, it's part of this uh liberal agenda with the agenda yeah. uh, 21 basically the green new deal and uh if they if they keep continuing they basically have said in their white letters that basically uh, anything that's gas is going to be outlawed so yeah uh, that's a scary uh thing well, for voters because you know everybody runs gas and you know uh what basically going to be solar and nuclear is what they're saying well yeah so basically if you go completely with a pv system on your roof yeah and you, you really go like if you're in vegas or, or arizona where the sun and is great you can put uh as long as you have the amperage in at your building you can put a solar array on the roof and have almost zero point loss to run your business. So yeah, besides we've always wanted to do here for sure. And I, and I think that that's the reason why, you know, we, you know, it's, we've taken this anniversary issue to kind of sit down and talk to you about it because um, I see that it's coming. We just did a trends um, episode 35 was trends and stuff. And we kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, We didn't go too deep with it, but but in a sense, that is where the world's going, um, is electric uh, electric powered for everything. You can just Google it. And um, that's that's another advantage to having an electric oven versus propane. Yeah, it is. And uh, it's just one of those things, you know, uh, it, it, nobody really makes them. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're small, they're small manufacturers, but there's nothing yeah. big out there. So um, it's pretty simple to do. You can build it. It's, it, it's, there's no rocket science involved. It's just a matter of having the amount of amperage and you're building a box that holds heat and, yeah. you know, just build it out of good quality materials and it'll last a lifetime and give you lots of money running through your doors. Yeah. Well, I hope you get to be on the podcast more often, but uh, I I don't know. With the list, the long list on the wall of all the jobs you have to do, I'm happy that you got to come on the anniversary issue for sure. <laughs> get you in here as you know as much as possible because you have so much to share. And if you want to, you know, talk to Ross or whatever, just. Um, sign up for the the Patreon thing and we'll give you an hour. That's part of the giveaway. And, um, you know, if, if, if you need something more than that, we'll make ourselves available. Just email us at info at MauiPowderWorks.com uh, and you can speak to us kind of more uh, on a consulting basis if you need something more than that. Yeah, I think I still have all my notes on all my builds. I've always kept everything. So it's like, I mean, I already knew it takes 11 sheets to build a small oven. I just, <laughs> that number sticks out in my mind. It's like 11 sheets, you know? So 
yeah, I think it was 28 sheets for the big oven. So, you know, these are things you got to figure out how much materials you're going to need. You can literally figure out everything you need by how long your oven wall is going to be. So you can just figure it all out. You'll know what your cost is. You can just look at the, the cost of online and go, oh, wow, this is only going to cost this much. And then and don't forget to use that scrap for your sign. Yes. Put your sign oh. up. Oh. <clears throat> With the extra scrap metal left oh. over from the build, save the piece, oh, powder sorry. coat it, and then put it as your sign above your door. Yeah, definitely make your own sign. Because people that's the ultimate. People come up to me and go, Well, who did your sign? I go, I made my sign. <laughs> Why would I want to go to the sign maker when I can powder coat? <laughs> I mean, we, yeah, we got the vinyls made, but they, uh, but we put them on. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for coming and joining us today. Ross Coat here, Kim Scott here. Have a great day. Thanks for sticking around for a whole year uh, with us. <laughs> Aloha. Adios. <laughs>